Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. Silver Sevens, you heard it. William Hill Sportsbook. Rocking and rolling. Lots of baseball today. The hockey. We got a night's game tonight. 77 cents on the beers once the puck drops. And that's every game for the Vegas Golden Knights. You come down here, you watch at one of the two bars. The book's right here. 77 cents on Bud, Bud Light, Shock Top, and Mick Ultra Bottles. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Well, I got so excited about the story that Ari sent over, and then I started to think it through, and I'm like, eh, maybe I shouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> apparently, hundreds of TikTokers, hello, love TikTok, uh, are going to take over downtown at the plaza Okay. for the, quote, greatest TikTok meetup ever. It's going to be uh, in mid-April. Has there ever been another TikTok meetup? I mean, TikTok kind of started, it was around, but it kind of started during the pandemic, Really haven't had a chance to meet up. I mean, what is this thing going to be like? You're going to have, uh, I, I assume, there's going to be like a like a working kitchen, right? Because that's what I watch on TikTok. Okay. Just um, all these food hacks. I don't think it's like a be- bunch of hot plates, and people are just making, you know, with hack meals, right? Uh, I I would assume there's going to be a bunch of people dancing to whatever trendy 14 second clip that TikTok has made available, dun, dun, and then of dun. course, right up your alley is the bevy of 18-year-olds with giant cans dancing. Matt Gates will be here. And cats. Number four. We're not going to have anything better than Matt Gates will be here. So I just decided to move on. There is a gigantic sign, or should I say signs? Don't exit that door at at Silver 7s. It's like the fifth time today. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's coming out. I'm cabin gonna, cabin uh, fever, baby! I'm going to make a TikTok video of, of just people walking out walking out the door that says, don't go out this door. Man, my favorite picture, well, there's two of them of the week. I, I, uh, I was at UNLV football practice today. I was taking some pictures. And okay. uh, I was using, I, I haven't used boomerang a lot because yeah, I haven't been out. There hasn't been a lot of action. So I was doing yeah. some boomerang photos of football players. Okay. That's always funny because the, the photo just, you know, it just loops. loops. Yeah. But yeah. that photo... Does not top what was going on the other day with uh, Shea Gildas Alexander. Yeah. You know, getting the, the vaccine shot is not easy for people who are afraid of needles. And Adam holds up <laughs> his arm, which still hurts apparently from his shots. Uh, there's a picture of this NBA player. He's scared of needles. So Lou Dort on his team was actually holding his hand as he received the vaccine. And it says, real friend. I feel like. That would be something the Cofield and company crew would do for each other. No. You just didn't ask. No. Ari, Ari would go down to the vaccination location wherever you go, and he would hold your hand. Well, I doubt that. And I, I think he would. And I, I, I know that exactly. nobody nobody else on the, on the crew would do that. I need that, and I wouldn't do it for anybody else. So I'm, no, I, I, wouldn't you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't expect it. I told on both my shots – 
I told the person, I was like, just so you know, this, not, this does not go well for me. Just be ready. Oh, really? And both of them were very nice. They were like, had me look away and talk about other things. And oh, then, they distracted you. Yeah, and then put the needle in while I was doing it. If, if I watched it go in, it would have been a nightmare. If you watch it go in, do you scream like Benny Mardones in that song about the 16-year-old? Probably. We still don't have that sound, huh? I guess it wasn't, someone wasn't paying attention earlier. The, that was not – it was – I actually watched like a like a behind-the-music thing on that, on that song. It was. It's a very weird – Is it good? Does it explain it? Kind of, yeah. Was it Was it like a parody? Was it a commentary on no, society? Was it, was it not really he's just creepy and loved a 16-year-old? No, I, I think if I remember correctly, like the – it was – he was infatuated with the girl. Yeah. But it wasn't like a sexual she's thing. Just she was in a really bad situation. Years old. <laughs> she was in a really bad situation. Yeah. Uh, like the parents were like fighting and everything. Oh, and he okay. was just like He's trying to save her. Yeah, but, but he, his his screams of agony are bone chilling later in the song. Oh yeah, and I could yeah. see you getting the shot. Just <laughs> yes, yeah. It would have been. It definitely would have been like that. But I also I did go with I I went with a friend, and like she was way tougher than me. So All I was right. like, ah, I can't really, I can't scream. Mm-hmm. All right, breaking news. No. She. Friend. Hmm. Yeah, friend. Interesting. You, well. you are friends with her, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Do you guys watch Jeopardy together? Did you watch? No. What do you mean? No. I mean, you I, love Jeopardy. I watched. That would seem like a friend's activity. Watched, no. After you, after, after you got the second shot, you go home and you walk, uh, watch Dr. Oz host. No, I wouldn't. I, I skip those. I watch Jeopardy almost every day. I skip the Dr. Oz. You're not skipping any of the Rodgers hosting, right? Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy. I don't want to watch that one. Why not? Either. I think he's going to be good. He might be. I mean, I'll watch it just out of intrigue for sure. But I don't know that he's going to be the best host. Boy, people got really pissed off with the uh, Doc Oz. Writing letters, boycotting, protesting. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. I just thought like, you loved Jeopardy. I do. Well, maybe not. I love Trebek. Maybe not as much as we thought. I want him back. Seriously, uh, Rodgers, listen. One of the best qualities, first of all, to speak clearly, deliver the answers, and be smarmy. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. How good would he be basically suggesting that these geniuses on the show, when they get an incorrect answer, it's so stupid. You're so dumb. Trebek was a genius. Rodgers is cut from the same cloth. The arrogance. You see the way he treats freaking Jake? That's true. Uh, so cocky. I was just. Uh, He's a, the guy for Jeopardy. I don't know if he'll be good. I, th- I don't know if he'll be comfortable enough to be that swarmy. Like, I don't think he'll. I think he'll be so fake that he tries to come across as likable and it's not going to work. Uh, just on a random side note, I was just watching Trebek do uh, classic concentration. Not the same, right? No, he kind of was. It was good? <laughs> no, I mean, did it, wor- did it work? Yeah, I think it did. Uh, he, wow. It kind of worked because it was like. Like if you, I'm sure you remember the show. You're a game show guy, but like you'd have to, you'd have to match two numbers to reveal a part of a puzzle, and like sometimes like it would be obvious. Obviously, the match was just revealed at like number twelve, and they'd be like, "I think that was at number eight. And he's like, "No, <laughs> he was he was good. he was good." He's like, "No, it's not." Nothing better than the annoyed game show host because just like this, this, you people are just stupid. Where, where do we get these contestants? <laughs> I love it. But, but the thing is, Jeopardy's like is next level geniuses, and he would still find a way to be like, 
Well, the you one idiot, the answer is this. The one good, sorry, the question is this. Right. The the one good thing though is that like oftentimes, like these very very smart people on Jeopardy do awful at the sports questions. Yeah. So I'm hoping there's like a good NFL category and Rogers like, no. I hope it's all Rogers questions or Rogers answers. Be great. <laughs> They're over five. Five straight. No, four straight where the where the question is Aaron Rodgers, right. and then the fifth one where it's like obviously not, and they're like, "Who is Aaron Rodgers?" Like, no. Wouldn't it be great if the person just consistently answers Jordan Love, or, or Tom Brady, or Favre, <laughs> or Favre? Yeah. Number two. Ah, oh, so funny. Uh, Roy Williams is done at North Carolina. Legendary career, three national championships in what eighteen years. Yeah, he, he reached the next level from Kansas. He was awesome at Kansas, but was a great coach at North Carolina. But, you know, I man, I feel like Roy may be the first, and I'm going to call them old dinosaurs. I'm not trying to kill them, but they did. They, there are a bunch of guys who did have a really tough time this year, and they're having a tough time adjusting to the new, more wide open, I think more competitive, I think more interesting world of college basketball now because of transfers, because lots of programs now are well-funded, and they see how Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke and Kansas and Michigan State do it. It's a more wide-open deal now. One and Duns are killing continuity. And I think a bunch of these guys are – you saw it during the season. Coach K looked really frustrated with making goofy statements, had a meltdown at some point, was a smart-ass to a student reporter. Izzo was weird all year. Uh, you know, Roy Williams approached a couple of times with, you know, COVID, was toughing up Buttercup. You're like, guys, you're, you're – you're falling apart at the edges here. Bayheim, you know, he's always been a horse's ass, but he had a couple of moments like that. Like, you can see it. It's getting on people. Lon Kruger is just a nice guy, and I think he wants to enjoy his life, yeah. and he wants to be back here in Vegas, so I won't include him in that group because he didn't embarrass himself by saying something silly. So this is not exactly a tribute to Roy Williams. I do recognize he was a really good coach. Uh, he did a great job. I, I don't know. I think he produced productive members of society. I hope. Um, now, as far as a Roy Williams coaching tree, is there one? Mark Turgeon is one of the better-known guys. He ain't going to North Carolina, unless we're surprised. Um, and, I mean, you're making the case that Hubert Davis and Wes Miller, I guess Wes Miller more than Hubert Davis, would be a good hire, even though he's never really coached to the highest level. I just I don't get the whole North Carolina. Like, I saw – I forget who it was. It was someone on the 2004 national championship team was saying, you know, you got to stay in the family. Like, Why? North Carolina's got different challenge. What, 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 they're not different than. What do you mean different challenges? They're a blue blood. Is there something we don't know about? But you have to. You have to know North Carolina. You have to know Chapel Hill. You do. So you think King Rice is out? Don't tell me he pulled his name out. <laughs> no, not yet. I think he'd be an interesting one. I actually thought of him pretty quickly, but um, he's at Mammoth. Yeah. He peaked a couple of years ago with like 27. I actually looked it up. 27, 28 wins, and uh, they've been good. Like for for what he has to do in his job, you know, do top three in that conference, he's good. I don't I don't think he would be on the top of the list. But you know you know what if if uh, Wes Miller is I mean I, whatever man I just I don't I still I'm not I've never been a North Carolina fan, but I admire the success they've had, um, and they're legendary. Like we talk about programs like Syracuse, frankly, maybe a one coach program. There are one coach programs. I mean, Lon Kruger did a great job at UNLV, but UNLV essentially is a one-coach program. Tark was awesome, right? Um, North Carolina's not a one-coach program. They, they go, you know, and Dean Smith carried it for the longest time. Yeah. But they had some history before that, and obviously Roy Williams is great. But that period in between where they're like, North Carolina guy, 
I, Bill, Bill Guthridge and Matt Doherty? I was going to say. I, oh, my God. When I think of North Carolina basketball, I think Doherty. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's my North Carolina You know, the era. funny thing is, he's the guy who did recruit the building blocks for the first national championship team. So he's the one who really? got uh, Sean May. He's the one who got McCants. So, so anyway, um, I, I can't believe you were arguing with me in the first hour. Go get Mark Few. Go yeah. get Scott Drew. Go get Jay Wright. Yeah, you I mean, just saw Texas do it. We want Chris Beard. We're not taking no for an answer. They got Chris Beard. Sure. Well, but again, then the the Chris Beard thing, and I, 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 I think it's hilarious, just like everybody else does. But Chris Beard is is a Texas guy. Like the reason Texas Tech was his quote unquote dream job at that time was because it was very close to his daughters and they were young. But he's a Texas guy. Can I tell you something? something, We've been having an interesting conversation. My my buddy Petro, we do the Wednesday night podcast, the late night podcast, at Steve Cofield at uh, 9 o'clock our time. He's been talking about Chris Beard being the Kansas guy. Like, almost like Texas better get him because Kansas, that that is who Bill Self will recommend when he leaves. And, I I, well, I can't guarantee it. Uh, I don't think Kansas will jerk around. And get and just get someone from the Kansas family. They will get one of the best coaches in the country, and they will have the stones to go up and pay whoever they want, right? And they're not going to mess around. It's not going to be a a Mike Woodson situation. Number one. All right, set up these next two games. How you feeling right now? Knights wild. Does oh, last I, night mean anything? I don't think so. Just a bad spot. I think it was just one of those bad games. Uh, I think, you know, every once in a while in an 80-game in an season, um, you know, I think that you have those nights where you come out and you're not great. You see it in baseball. You see it in basketball. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of them for the Golden Knights, but I thought last night was one. They were just kind of a step slow from the beginning. You saw them. They were taking penalties in the first period. They're mostly killing them off, but they just weren't moving their feet enough on defense and um, a lot of reaching, a lot of holding. So, uh, it was just kind of the, one of those off nights, and they got you know they got the news right before the game during warmups that Ryan Reeves wouldn't be able to play, so he's out. It's a, kind of an emotional leader, kind of sets the tone for them, especially at home. Uh, then you know late in the game, Chandler Stevenson's thrown out. Now they're down to ten forwards that they're trying to play with. Uh, I think it was just one of those nights, and you just chalk that up to hey, those things happen. Uh, put it behind you, move on to the next game, and I think they're probably pretty happy uh, to be you know bouncing back, jumping out there on the ice the next night and getting a game against Minnesota. They will be. Uh, I haven't checked. I don't know the appeal situation, whatever's going on. But you know, Chandler Stevenson did draw a three-game suspension for that shot last night. Uh, so you know, that's a bit of a blow uh, for the Golden Knights. But listen, it's another uh, another series against a team they're very familiar with, a team they've struggled with in the past, and a team uh, that they very well could see in the playoffs. So uh, I think that you know, that's plenty of motivation to get back out there and, and bounce back from that ugly one last night. And uh, you know, they are out of first place for the first time in a month. So that's got to be motivation, too. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Wild nights tonight. 77 cent beers right here. That's pretty cool. It's every game. Every game they play. Uh, you know, when the, the game is on, the big screen's here at Silver 7, 77 cent beers. So come on down, have a good time. Happy hour every day, three to six, 277 drinks in those cases. So you're all set. Got the book here. William Hill Race and Sportsbook. 
right? Now they got simulcast racing back, so they're very excited about that. On Saturday and Sunday, you can stop by, watch the races, bet, and also pick up a free copy of the Daily Racing Forum. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. This is the best time of year for sports, I think, because it's some of my favorite sports. Baseball kicking off today, Final Four this weekend. If you love golf, and whatever, for the majors, I pay attention. I'm not the biggest golf fan, and I'm not exactly in love with uh, the folks who run the Masters. But it's one of the biggies. It's one of the biggies. And because he's an outlier in a sport of stiffs or supposed you know good guys, the gentleman's game, I like Dustin Johnson. He's lived a life. Sure. His wife, come on. Paulina, through the roof. Awesome. She's crazy. She's crazier than him, and he's crazy. They're crazy together. This menu, the, the winner's dinner, what's going on here? Well, very, very solid, very yummy. First of all, I assume the after-dinner snacks will be more. more oh, important. it's going to be lit. <laughs> it's going to be lit. A little, little uh, vial right. at every table. Ah, relax. Just because a guy had some drug issues doesn't mean that you know, we get to tell these jokes. Oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be real fun. Uh I'm just I'm disappointed because I think the menu is really good, but every year we get like something that we can focus on and laugh about. Yeah, really don't have that this year. And uh, Patrick Reed had a, like a very adventurous menu. Sure, and it was very it was very rich. So Dustin Johnson's going house or Caesar salad, okay? Um, filet and uh, miso marinated sea bass with mashed potatoes and spring vegetables. It's delicious. Fine, you, you get both. That's wonderful. Yeah, for dessert, peach cobbler. An apple pie with vanilla ice cream. I, obviously, you're, you're setting up the best part of the meal. The appetizers. Yes. Uh, but this, still. This, this could piss off the the snobby golf crowd so much. So pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. <laughs> Come on. That's that's dynamite. Uh, also, lobster and corn fritters. I, I guess that's the most adventurous part. I think I, think I know the answer. If you won, what would your instructions be? Oh, what, what what's your main mode of cooking? Air fryer. Yep, everything's got to be air fryer. Well, I would definitely have chicken fingers. Yep, people love them. Uh, Mozzarella sticks are great in oh, the air fryer. Be, it would be well wings. You I'll love doing wings. I guarantee you this: there would be a taco bar. Sure, that would happen. A ranch fountain? No, a uh, chocolate fountain. I've never I've never actually been to blue, a, a blue cheese I've, fountain. <laughs> yes. Glop 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 I've, glop. I've never actually been to a Golden Corral, but I've seen the commercials of like the chocolate fountain. Done. Awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great things you can do. And, of course, your favorite, the green steak with no char marks on it. A specialty of the air green. fryer, which it's just, it's it's peaked looking. No. Yours Delicious. was yours was unreal. Delicious. It was a Dr. Seuss-like. I don't think there'd be, too, I don't think there'd be steak. Green. Steak is too green. adult. It would just be like a lot of, like a lot of things that like kids would love. Jalapeno poppers? No, too spicy. Too spicy. All right. <laughs> yeah. The taco bar is happening, though, and the chocolate fountain. I'm doing well recently with pot stickers. What does well mean? I've, I'm cooking them well. It's pretty, not not well done. I found a little hack. Found a little hack. Spices them up. They're delicious. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a seven on the spice level. Not like a 20 trillion? Like a... Uh, when I watch Hot Ones, and I'm like, "What does that? E- what does that even mean?" Oh, this one's thirty-two thousand on the on the meter. Like, okay, I have no, I have no like concept of what that means. Explain Hot Ones on the way back. We're up against it. Curtis Terry's going to be with us, the former Run Rebel player. 
He uh, calls the games on radio along with John Sandler, and uh, the program is in flux right now as they uh, try to piece together this roster moving towards next season. With 77 cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. I haven't figured out my entire master's dinner, all with the air fryer, what my menu will be, but I'll come up with it. I'm thinking appetizers, toasted ravioli and potstickers, um, like pre-meal. Won't be the main course. I'm not low class. Chicken fingers, main course. I'm doing, uh, I think, some pork loin and, like, that billionaire's bacon, some thick-ass bacon. That's good. And dessert, air fryer, lava cake. Okay. I can do all this. I like it. I'm in. Curtis Terry, very refined, maybe grossed out by my air fryer menu. What's up, buddy? Uh, what's going on, guys? And actually, I'm down with the air fryer. Uh, me and my wife were big on that thing. That thing is, uh, works magic. Exactly. I can't cook. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got you got a busy life. You got kids, you know? Let's go. Make it better than the microwave, that's for sure. Let's make it quick. Let's make it quick. I was going to make a, an air fryer segue to putting together a roster in college basketball, but I can't do it. I couldn't think quickly enough. Um, but these are strange times. These are strange times, Curtis. There's 1,200-plus players in the uh, transfer portal and uh, upwards of uh, seven or eight on the UNLV roster or who were on the UNLV roster. That's my answer. I'm speechless. It is, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. So we, we just took the kids to uh, Arizona, got away for spring break for a couple of days and come back, and a lot has happened. Obviously, some more guys went to the portal. Bryce Hamilton puts his name into the draft process. Um, UNLV lands a recruit in terms of a transfer from West Virginia. Um, terrible time for spring break to fall, that's for sure. Um, but it, it's a weird time, especially with all this transfer portal. Um, Lon Kruger retiring, Roy Williams retiring, Chris Beard leaving Texas Tech. Uh, college basketball is in shambles, but kind of in a good way for college basketball fans leading into the Final Four this weekend. Curtis Terry's with us. All right, so give me your take on testing the NBA waters with Bryce Hamilton. Uh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, and for me, unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to test the waters um, unless I was going swimming. Definitely not the NBA draft waters early out of college. But I think it's something that everybody earns that right to do. And for Bryce in his position, obviously he's a guy that's been here. Kevin Kruger is going to be his third coach here at UNLV. And I think he owes it to himself to kind of test that, that process and kind of get the feedback from the NBA scouts, not from the NBA general managers, and see you know, where it is he may or may not fall what it is that are his strengths, his weaknesses, in terms of what he needs to improve on to improve draft position. So I think it's a, it's a good thing that a young man needs to do if they're unsure uh, because that will help draw that line in terms of yay or nay. Um, so I'm, I'm interested and curious and excited for Bryce to see him go through that process but also see what he does with that information he gets in return in terms of help prepare him moving forward as a rebel or as a professional. What do you think the information will be from NBA people for Bryce Hamilton You know, and telling him, hey, maybe you're not ready? Uh, this is what you need to work on. And I think that's, that's the, the big thing. I think there's a number of different things people could kind of throw out there and get to stick to the whiteboard. The things I see from Bryce, obviously, number one, I think defensively, he needs to become a better defender. And in terms of he's got the physical tools, right, guys? I mean, he's got the body, he's got the length, the athleticism. But in terms of taking that awareness and being committed and locked in on the defensive end uh, to not be a liability, um, I'm not saying you've got to be a defensive stopper in terms of like Tony Allen. Uh, but he needs to be someone that can be reliable and not just be exposed like he was at times during the course of the season. 
But again, with that, I think it goes to he was being asked to do so much offensively, and I think that's where he's going to get a, a lot of praise in terms of his one-on-one ability to create shots for himself. I think he needs to improve on being able to play off the bounce to create shots for others. Um, but also that three-point shot. In the NBA, he's going to be a guy most likely that's going to be playing off the ball, have to you know, be a knockdown shooter, come that three and D. But that's something he's going to have to improve in terms of standstill, spot up, catch and shoot threes, uh, but also taking advantage of the opportunities to put it on the deck when he can, uh, because we know he can do that. So I don't think they're worried about that. I think it's more so can he knock down a consistent three, his attitude and mind and committed to working in the right place, and defensively, is he willing to put it out there on the line um, and be selfish for his teammates, because that's what they're looking for in the league. They know who the stars are. It's about who's willing to buy into that, that role player, uh, that situational specialist position. We're talking about the uh, best player in the UNLV program testing the waters for the NBA, Bryce Hamilton. He's going to play professional basketball. By the way, we're talking to Curtis Terry about it. Uh, He's going to play professional basketball. What position is he? He's not a point guard, right? I mean, he played a lot of point last year out of necessity for the team. Well, what is he? Yeah, I think think he played point guard by default. That's just in terms of because, obviously, the year previous, Eli Mitchell Long, grad transfer, moved on. This year was going to be Marvin Coleman. He goes down after they come back from the pause, and he's got to pick up that slack. He's definitely not a point guard in my eyes right now for UNLV for the foreseeable future in terms of next season. Definitely not in the NBA. I think he's going to have to be the guy that's a 2-3, someone that can, again, guard some, some guys that are bigger in size, uh, six seven wings that are slashers attackers. He's going to also have to be able to guard some guys um, like Russell Westbrook if you get switched on to him because in the NBA – Thanks to Steve Kerr and the Warriors, it's a lot of positionless basketball. So you've got to be able to guard and hold your own one through four, sometimes five if teams go small. But he's going to have to be a guy that's going to have to come in, be energy, kind of be a six-man, Vinny, Vinny Johnson, microwave, uh, Jamal Crawford, uh, Lou Williams. I think he's a guy that can create instant offense and give you a different look. But that three-point shot has to be consistent. Otherwise, like we saw in the course of the Mountain West season, it's a lot easier to guard if you don't have to respect that, that, that outside shot. That's, what I, that's kind of what I see, guys. Let's look at the, uh, the basketball scene uh, nationally, and we'll get to the Final Four here in a couple of minutes. Actually, before I do that, I do want to mention, uh, and this is important, uh, UNLV and Kevin Kruger did get a commit. They went into the uh, transfer portal, and they have pulled out Jordan McCabe, who was a point guard at West Virginia, had declining minutes the last couple of years, but as a former high-level recruit, uh, you know, other Power Fives were after him before he landed at West Virginia. Um, I don't even, I, we don't even need to know what you, what you know about them. It's more about the position, right? They, they absolutely have to have layers at the point guard of guys who can play now. Yeah, 100%. I think it's about making sure you've got guys in the stable that are able and willing and prepared to handle those point guard duties and be selfless. Now, obviously, if you're a shooting point guard, a guy that can knock down a consistent shot, that helps and loosens things up. But I think in terms of having multiple guards, just like last year for TJ, UNLV had Eli Mitchell-Long, you had Marvin Coleman, you had multiple ball handlers on the court. makes life easier, and you can attack more. So I kind of think that's what Kevin's going to kind of be looking to, to shift his offense and style towards is open the floor, drive and kick, make plays for each other. But guys have to be positionless and be able to not only shoot, but to dribble and to pass. And so I think that's what we're going to see in terms of with Jordan McCabe. Didn't get a lot of minutes late here at West Virginia. But again, as a guy that played in the Big 12, would be arguably the big, the best conference in basketball. And so he's got that experience and toughness, and you've definitely got that if you can play for, for Huggy, uh, because Lord knows I sure as hell couldn't have done that. <laughs> 
Pretty crazy that coaching Carousel, we saw Chris Beard, shocker, he left another school. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I mean, Texas is a great job. It's a better job than Texas Tech. North Carolina is now open. Uh, we know that Oklahoma is open. In the case of North Carolina, you know, as a former player, and you know, your brother's coaching now. You've coached. What do you think about the notion? And we've done, we've talked about this at UNLV. Like, hey, it's always nice to have someone in the family. Is that important? Is North Carolina like? Do they have to get a North Carolina guy? It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because on the drive back, me and my wife were kind of talking. I was like, "Hey, saw Roy Williams retired." She's like, "Wow." I was like, "Yeah, that's that's crazy." I was like, "But furthermore, who do they bring in?" Because he was there for who knows how long—47 years. Um, but no, tons of success. But it's like now you're starting to see a lot of teams kind of go towards younger former players to run the programs. Obviously, at Minnesota, here in terms of with Kevin at UNLV, uh, even at Lamar, they just hired an assistant off Kelvin Sampson's staff uh, from Houston. I think we're starting to see that, but when it comes to North Carolina, just me naturally, I'm not sure who kind of fits that bill. Um, but I believe is it West somebody yeah. Yeah, at UNC Greensboro? It's it's West Miller, um, yeah, and also uh, Hubert Davis, who you know hasn't been uh, you know experienced college assistant, but he's been in the NBA for a long time. Those those right now are the betting favorites. But I, I mean, I threw it out a couple hours ago. If I'm North Carolina, I'm getting the best coach. In the country, I'm going to get Mark Few. I'm trying for Scott Drew. Maybe uh, Jay Wright wants a new challenge. I'm trying for Jay Wright. Like that's what I'm shooting for. Right, and I think that's what you have to do, especially you. I mean, a blue blood like University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. But I just don't see a lot of people willing to make those kind of moves these days, um, as opposed to like in the past. But I think the one exception to that, obviously, Chris Beard shoots from the hip, does his own thing, um, kind of a, a gypsy nomad wander in terms of moving around. But even him, Texas Tech was the quote-unquote dream job. Obviously, he went to Texas, um, is a Longhorn, started his career there under Tom Penders. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who guys start to elevate in terms of leading their programs. Now, just with basketball shifting, getting a little bit younger, um, generationally kind of making a shift away from that old-school kind of longtime coach. So I'm curious to see what happens up there specifically at North Carolina. Uh, but I like to see former players getting a shot to, to coach their alma maters. But, again, on the flip side, it's tough to do yep. because in the past we haven't seen a lot of guys do it, let alone have success doing it. i got about a minute left here. Just a couple, a couple observations on the coaching front. Um, one, I think Utah nailed it even though it wasn't a first choice. Utah State loses a lot in Craig Smith. He's going to be hard to replace. But, two, right now Brian Dutcher, that whole thing, you know, it didn't work out with Minnesota. I don't know why Oklahoma wouldn't reach out to Brian Dutcher. I think he'd be perfect. If he built the same kind of culture at Oklahoma, that would be a match. He's 62. You get like eight years out of him. I'm surprised that the you know he has a bigger buyout than he had for Minnesota, but that more schools aren't making a run at Brian Dutcher. He's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy because, again, what we were talking conference tournament time that he might move on or move back to Minnesota, kind of take that going home um, for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Staying put where he is at South Dakota or San Diego. But I think the Oklahoma one, as you mentioned, Steve, that's interesting. Like, what do they do? Because obviously Coach Kruger had a foundation set in terms of what they did for 10 years, um, consistent success throughout the Big 12 and multiple tournament bids. But now you've got Austin Reeves putting his name in. Um, you've got uh, their big guy, Kuwait, uh, moving on professionally. What's Brady Manick going to do? Uh, Davion Harmon is going, pro- is going pro. I think the instability there right now is probably going to scare some people off. I think they may go kind of a younger coach, um, let him cut his teeth in the Big 12, and, and Lord knows that's a good opportunity because at the Big 12, having success is different um, at Oklahoma because it's a football school 
you mean say as opposed to if you're at Kansas, obviously basketball powerhouse fan base is committed to the hoops. Curtis, we appreciate the flexibility today, and next week we'll carve out plenty of time to talk about Arizona. I'm uh, intrigued. Yes, sir. I'm intrigued. I'm glad you had. I'm glad you had. Burr. I'm glad you had a good vacation. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. We'll talk to you guys soon. There he is, the former Rebel, Curtis Terry. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven three six four one one zero zero. You can grab a two foot classic sub from Porta Subs. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred. Twenty four inches of premium meats and cheeses and all the goodies on your favorite fresh baked bread. It's a slam dunk. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller eleven, and you want to. Uh, get over to Porta Subs ASAP and get your sandwiches just in time for the big tournament play this weekend. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. Awesome show today at Silver 7s. Let's close out strong with a look at what's going on in the world of MMA. Showtime is back in the mixed martial arts space with Bellator. And John McCarthy is part of the broadcast team. You know him, big John McCarthy, longtime referee from around the sport. All right, John, let's get into it. What's cooking? Friday night card, Showtime, MMA, Real good names, real good main event. A lot's cooking this weekend on Showtime. On Friday, we've got the uh, the actual launch of Bellator on Showtime. We've got an incredible featherweight world title fight, but it's also the featherweight Grand Prix, so whoever wins this goes into the finals. They get to fight A.J. McKee, who's already sitting there at the top waiting for the next person that's going to be in the finals with him. It'll either be the champion uh, Pitbull or it'll be Emmanuel Sanchez as the new champion stepping up, trying to win that million-dollar Grand Prix money. Uh, awesome. I love the Grand Prix. We can get into the whole concept of the Grand Prix for the audience listening here on ESPN Las Vegas that don't know what they are. Um, if Pitbull were to win, and uh, he is the favorite, I wanted you to talk about McKee a little bit too because uh, McKee is a legacy guy. You know, His dad was a real grinder and had a billion fights, and uh, this kid uh-huh. at 28 appears to be like right there on the edge of superstardom. He is, uh, he's the next evolution. I'm telling you, you know, I've known him since he was a, a small child and he was always athletically gifted and, and talented that way. And he lived, he lived a lot of his career early on in Bellator, just being that guy who was talented and gifted, but didn't do kind of some of the right things to, you know, keep making those steps. And then finally he had a fight. It was in Ireland and, you know, he got tired and he got, uh, put to a, to the test by a guy named Brian Moore. He ended up getting the win. He, he finished Brian Moore in the fight, but it taught him a lesson. And from that point, I can tell you, I have seen a different fighter in AJ McKee. This guy, he's good everywhere. He's, I compare him to, you know, really John Jones is the guy that he reminds me of, but he's faster. Oh, wow. He's actually a little bit more dynamic than John. And he's just got it all. The real, the only, it's, it's one of those where I look and I go, Right now, as far as as he's getting better, he's getting close to that status of the only person that I think can beat him is him. If he doesn't do the right things, he can get beat. But if he's doing all the right things, man, he is a stud everywhere. John McCarthy's on uh, with us here on Cofield and Company. It's a showtime rolling out Bellator, one of the best brands in all of mixed martial arts. The card starts uh, 6 o'clock our time. So we're in the midst of a featherweight tournament, a Grand Prix. I love these things. They're throwbacks, obviously going back to Pride days. And now you got 205, which is going to be fascinating. You've got big names on there like Phil Davis and Leota Machida and Bader and Corey Anderson. And, you know, that tournament's going to start up here. And then what a way to come out 
Uh, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, Anthony Johnson, who's just a monster. I, st- I can't believe he can get down to 205. And then uh, Yoel Romero, who we know has one punch dynamite at any moment. Man, you're talking I, – I had said that, you know, I saw Anthony when he got really big. I mean, he was pushing 305, 10 pounds, you know, but muscular. And, and I was like, there's no way he's going to make it back to, you know, light heavyweight. He looks – he's smaller now and is in, he's leaner. Really? He looks – it looks like he could fight 185, 170 again. It's incredible what he looks like. You know, he's in shape. He's ready for this. And you look at that matchup. That's a matchup that – anyone should want to watch and see who's going to win that fight rumble coming back off of long layoff he'd retired and then yoel's that guy you know he's ageless you know i know what his chronological age is but that's not what his body is the guy is unbelievable god put him together in a different way than the rest of us i hope uh i like romero but i hope anthony johnson makes a run i hope he has a big comeback here i remember being at his first fight down at uh in the uh, ufc at the time uh, I think it was at the Hard Rock, the Seminole Hard Rock, uh, was. In, in Hollywood, Florida. And uh, when I, you know, when I saw him come out, I'm like, "Gee, damn!" You know, at 170 pounds, I'm like, "This guy is gigantic." I start looking up his background. He's like, <laughs> you know, he played a little football at junior college, and then you know, a guy who, as you just said, has ranged from fighting at 170 to getting up near like 300 pounds. So he's a he's a fascinating dude, and good for him. I'm yeah. glad he's got the hunger back. So the card goes down. Showtime. Uh, we got you know multiple weeks now as Bellator is on Showtime and Big John McCarthy is with us. I got to throw this one at you. This this is bizarro world right now. Arguably, John, the biggest draw in combat sports could be some. I'm going to use strong language here. Some douchebag off of YouTube. And I, if you if you know the Paul brothers, you know you can tell me, hey, they're great guys, and this is just all hype. This is crazy, is it not? And for MMA, my God, Ben Askren, please win the fight. Please. <laughs> I'm not saying the same thing. You know, when, when they put that fight together, I knew, you know, obviously. I have friends that actually train with Jake Paul. Okay. And they tell, they tell me something about him. And, uh, you know, oh, you look, he's, he's really got good skills. Uh, and so in the beginning, I was like, man, that's not a good fight for Ben. Because Ben is just not a stand-up fighter. Ben is an amazing wrestler. I, I mean, amazing. And he was an amazing MMA guy when he was younger. And, you know, injuries and time and everything. He's got an artificial hips, you know. So those things catch up to you. And he was never a great stand-up guy. But in watching what occurred, even in that last, that little uh, presser they did, and they had both of them up on stage, and you look at body language. Because I look at body language all the time. Yeah. And I look at body language, and it told me everything that I needed to know. Because you – Ben Askren is sitting there. He's got his flip-flops on, his legs crossed. He doesn't change position at all. He's just answering questions. He's taking what Paul is giving him. Paul, you can see all these little things. He's giving himself his little little touches and everything, little, little assurance things. He's scared. He's nervous. This is bigger than what he is used to. And as long as Ben Askren gets through the first round, that fight is Ben Askren's. He's got to get through the first round. Paul's going to come after him. But after that... Ben Askren's going to whoop that ass. All right. Well, I hope that's the case. Uh, like I said, for kind of defending the honor of MMA and even boxing to a certain uh, extent. And here in Vegas, over at uh, Westgate and Superbook, it started out like it was ridiculous. It started out like Jake Paul minus 250, and now it's down to Jake Paul minus 140. So all the, the MMA people and the fight people are, are betting on Ben Askren. Let's close on this. Tell the audience why it's important that Showtime is you know like really in the space now with Bellator, because I think it's big for the sport. It's absolutely big for the sport because Showtime has been part of combat sports now for a long time, especially with boxing. 
and you know they used to do Elite XC for just a short time. They started there and then went with Strike Force and Strike Force. You know, did some really big things. If you remember the Grand Prix that Strike Force had on Showtime and having the very first women's title fight, you know, between you know Cyborg and, and Gina Carano and just the things that they did at the time, you know, it was step up the game for everybody in MMA space. Now that they're back and Bellator is on that, you got to have promotions, you know, that are pushing the envelope of putting information out on the fighters and giving fighters a place that they can go. You know, if you only have one spot to go, then that, that spot can kind of basically, you know, decide how much you're going to make and when you're going to do this, who you're going to fight. You can't have just one. And so what Showtime does for Bellator, it gives them a great platform, a great platform for the fighters. And it's a way for the fighters to grow and let people see it's MMA. You know, the UFC has done a phenomenal job of marketing themselves as the sport. You know, they're not the sport. They are a promotion within the sport and they're a great promotion, but there's a whole lot of incredible fighters out there, not only in Bellator, but all over the world in one FC, you got Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez in one FC. You've got, you know, fighters in ACA. You've got fighters all over the world that are absolutely remarkable and can fight anybody. And so people need to see those fighters because some of them are the more exciting fighters there are in the world. And that's what Showtime with Bellator allows them to see. John, that was great. We really appreciate it. Have fun. Same here, man. You take care, Steve. There he is, Big John McCarthy. His Showtime is back in the MMA space with one of the best promotions in the world, Bellator. The card features uh, Pitbull on it. You've got a Gracie on the card. It's also setting up the uh, finale for the Featherweight Grand Prix. And then in coming weeks, Bellator and Showtime are going to start up a 205 Grand Prix with you know big-name fighters like Ryan Bader, who's from Nevada, Phil Davis, Leona Machida. So really good stuff on Showtime with Bellator. Make sure you come on down to Silver 7s. VGK is on all the screens around the property and on Vegas Golden Knight game nights and game days. 77 cent beers right here at Silver 7s. It's at Flamingo and Paradise. That's right. Bud, Bud Light, Shock Top, and Michelob Ultra. Only 77 cents and the game is right around the corner. We are out of here on a Thursday. Thanks to all the great guests. The incredibly busy Adam Hill and the folks here at Silver 7s. We'll see you.